Hello, and welcome to the Christ's Church Cathedral podcast. This is our hymn festival from July the 7th, 2021, recorded at the cathedral. We hope these songs and words will speak to your heart and mind. Welcome to this service of evening prayer for July the 7th, which today takes the form of a hymn festival entitled, Lord, Teach Us to Pray. Through a set of prayers, commentaries and hymns, we experience the message of the Lord's Prayer. My name is Tim Dobbin, Rector of this Cathedral and Dean of this Diocese. I'm delighted to be sharing this liturgy with Michael Bloss, our Director of Music, and our cantor, Mark Russell. A news has broken this past week of the confirmation of another 182 unmarked graves at the site of the former St Eugene's Mission School near Brandbrook, uh, Cranbrook, BC. We pray for the families of those deceased and their communities. And we grieve with the Lower Kootenai Band and over all those other children who never came home. As a people of God, we recommit to working toward reconciliation and promoting healing for all personal and intergenerational trauma amongst indigenous peoples. We continue to respect the history, spirituality and culture of First Nations, Inuit and Métis, and we acknowledge our responsibilities as treaty people. Prayer remains one of the central activities of a Christian. Jesus spent much time at prayer and also provided us with many examples of prayer as ways of settling the spirit for prayer. This hymn festival reflects on each line of the Lord's Prayer and offers a hymn to help meditate further on each line. The commentary helps to place the prayer into context. Each meditative moment is introduced with the help of text from a choral work named The Cycle of the Year by the German postmodern composer Hugo Distler. Please refer to the service leaflet to join in with these verse prayers. The hymn festival is adapted from one presented at the 1990 annual conference of the Hymn Society in Charleston, South Carolina. Would you join with us in this prayer of invocation from the Sarum Primer, which you may find in the service leaflet introduction. This prayer serves as another lovely and simple model for constructing a prayer. Let us pray. God be in my head and in my understanding. God be in my eyes and in my looking. God be in my mouth and in my speaking. God be in my heart and in my thinking. God be at my end and at my departing. Amen. What not a better way to experience the Lord's Prayer than to sing about it? And so we welcome you to this hymn festival. A hymn or song of praise reminds us of who God is and what we have been promised. It helps us to put word and emotion around a sense that our faith is fueled by statements which often can only be communicated through emotion to be felt by the soul. 
This foundation weaves our lives together as believers and connects us with the church's history and the cloud of witnesses who have gone before us. And so, a hymn festival is an occasion centered on congregational song. Today, we will be singing hymns of our common worship heritage, as well as others which may seem new to you. Hymnody is an ever-evolving panorama wherein newer texts and tunes come to enter the canon, enriching the old and familiar. Our invitation is for you to sing along with the service leaflet, which is included. The organ and piano, together with our animators, will lead the way for you. The prayer and commentary before each hymn will put the music and text into context. We begin by way of a piece for organ, written by the famous German Lutheran composer Johann Sebastian Bach. Vater unser in Himmelreich, our Father in Heaven, is a component of our current Eucharistic practice and also formed an important part of the German Lutheran Mass. Of the various organ arrangements Bach made of this chorale, which we will sing in a moment, this is the most subdued and timeless. The piece is written in Stile Antico, the ancient vocal polyphonic composition style of the 16th century. There is substantial imitation between the musical lines where the technique of canon is readily observed. Canon is a contrapuntal technique whereby a repetition of melody is delayed by a certain metrical distance, and yet the two still match. The chorale melody can be heard in long note values throughout this lively contrapuntal work, again in canon. Here is Bach at his best, two concurrent canons. And that suits this piece really well, as Bach may have used the ancient style here to emphasize the fact that Vater unser in Himmelreich is a prayer. And a prayer implies words and thoughts, either spoken or sung. In fact, this arrangement is a four-part motet in the ancient style, and you could easily perform the whole piece in song. Occasionally, there is a slightly more daring harmony which is all that betrays the fact that this piece is not really a vocal motet, but an instrumental meditation.
Would you join with us now in the opening prayer? A prayer for the gift and ministry of music of which we are all partakers. Please respond with the bold face print. Let us pray. Creator God, because you make all that draws forth our praise in the forms in which to express it, we, we praise, praise you. Because you make artists of us all, awakening courage to look again at what is taken for granted, grace to share these insights with others, vision to reveal a future already in being, we, we praise, praise you. Because you form your word among us, and in your great work embrace all human experience, even death itself, inspiring our resurrection song. We, we praise you. Yours, Yours is the glory. glory. Amen. Amen. So time now for our hymn festival to begin. Vater Unser im Himmelreich, our Father in Heaven, is a Lutheran hymn in German by Martin Luther. Luther wrote the paraphrase of the Lord's Prayer in 1538, corresponding to his explanation of the prayer in his Kleiner Catechismus, or Smaller Catechism. He dedicated one stanza to each of the seven petitions and framed it with an opening and a closing stanza, each stanza in six lines. Luther revised the text several times, as extant manuscripts show, concerned to clarify and improve it. He chose and possibly adapted an older, anonymous melody, likely associated with a secular text. Other hymn versions of the Lord's Prayer from the 16th and 20th century have adopted the same tune, known as Vater Unser and Old 112. The hymn was published in Leipzig in 1539 in Valentin Schumann's hymnal, Gesangbuch, with a title explaining the Lord's Prayer briefly expounded and turned into meter. The hymn was translated into English in several versions. For example, Our Father, Thou in Heaven Above, by Catherine Winkworth in 1863, and Our Father, Lord of Heaven and Earth, by Henry J. De Jong in 1982. It can still be found in today's German Lutheran hymnal, Evangelisches Gesangbuch, number 344. If the tune sounds vaguely familiar, it will be because you heard it in the preceding organ chorale, prelude of the same name.
Our Father, who from heaven above has told us to live in love and with our fellow Christians share our mutual burdens and our prayer. Teach us no thoughtless word to say, but from our inmost heart to pray. Children of the Heavenly Father, this hymn promises amazing life and hope from a woman who lived in great pain and anguish. Much like Horatio Spafford's timeless hymn, When Peace Like a River, Lena Sandelberg's Children of the Heavenly Father was written under the influence of incredible grace amidst heart-wrenching pain. The gorgeous tune is just as comforting as the lyrics, lifting the soul and calming the spirit. Christ's words in Matthew 6:26 perfectly match the hymn when he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? The text of this hymn was written by Lena Sandelberg, a Swedish gospel hymn writer. Sandelberg found inspiration for many of her hymns in the tragic death of her father, which she was unfortunate enough to witness. There seems to be little doubt that Children of the Heavenly Father was one of these tragedy-inspired hymns. It reassures the people that there is an eternal Father who can never be taken from us in life or death, a Father that comforts, protects, tends, and nourishes unceasingly. The tune for this hymn is called Trigra can ingen vara. The exact composer is unknown, but the tune is probably a Swedish folk song, although variations on the tune are known to have been in Germany in the early 1800s. One nice feature of this tune is that it requires little or no accompaniment and works well for part singing. Father, sing in his bosom. 
Your, your name be hallowed. Help us, Lord, in purity to keep your word, that to the glory of your name we walk before you free from blame. Let no false teaching us pervert, or poor deluded souls convert. God, how many are a thousand? Carol Winfrey Gillette is a contemporary hymn writer who has written much on the topic of justice and social action. Her hymns are dynamic and rich in theological colour and seek to tell scriptural stories anew from different perspectives. This hymn begins in a way that might make us think it's really just another one of those creation hymns, extolling all the creative results of God's first six days. However, as the hymn proceeds, we get the sense that this is about God at work, creating of our lives directions forwards too wonderful for us to totally comprehend. In this line of the Lord's Prayer, dealing as it does with the name of God, we sing about our world, almost as though it were a stage upon which we enact the drama of life and salvation. Redeeming grace, the gifts of the, of the Trinity, and the story of Christ's saving work bring a joy which lead us to song. And the strength of this element of the Lord's Prayer, we see new joy.
our kingdom come. Guard your domain and your eternal righteous reign. The Holy Ghost enrich our day with gifts attendant on our way. Break Satan's power, defeat his rage, preserve your church from age to age. Praise to the Lord the Almighty. The last psalm in the Bible, Psalm 150, ends with this invitation. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. German composer Joachim Neander gave us words to do just that when he wrote his most well-known hymn, Praise to the Lord the Almighty. Hymnologist John Julian, in his Dictionary of Hymnology, declares this to be a magnificent hymn of praise to God, perhaps the finest production of its author and of the first rank in its class. And indeed, this is a hymn that has stood the test of time, over 300 years, to remain one of the most beloved praise hymns in the church. As we sing these words, we join with the voices in many languages of millions who have gone before us and those across the globe to sing these great words of thanksgiving and honor to the God who created us, protects us, and befriends us. The hymn text is extraordinarily colorful with rich and dynamic imagery. It could even stand as a battle cry of our salvation in God as the Holy Spirit defends and guards the domain of our eternal life. Listen to how this word painting is shown in the organ accompaniment, and may it lead your singing into an ever more profound Alleluia.
your, your gracious will on earth be done, as it is done before your throne, that patiently we may obey in good or bad times all you say. Curb flesh and blood and every ill that sets itself against your will. The Word of God. The line in the Lord's Prayer, You will be down on earth as in heaven, calls forth the image of God's Word. This well-loved start to the Gospel of John is all about the Word. In its beginning and in its fullness, flowering through the prophets and ultimately Jesus Christ. This hymn by Thomas Troiger is a paraphrase of that section of the Gospels. It is God's will on earth as in heaven. The apostles were admonished to consider that what is bound on earth will be bound in heaven. And where things are agreed upon in prayer on earth, these shall be agreed in heaven. This line in the Lord's Prayer, therefore, seems to illuminate this duality and forms the basis of the imagery of this hymn. It is a brilliantly executed text where an instant of creation is distilled into a slow motion of high magnification. Creation, Jesus' prophecy and birth, a playful volley of word and flesh, one creating the other and back again, all these images coalesce together into this hymn of praise. The final verse brings us full circle to the word of the first verse paralleling the reality of the coexisting worlds of heaven and earth represented in this line of the Lord's Prayer. The tune, Meryton, was written by Henry Percy Smith. He was educated at Balliol College, Oxford, England, and ordained a priest in the Church of England in 1850. He served five churches, including St. Michael's, Yorktown and Farnborough, Great Barton and Suffolk, Christchurch in Cannes, France, and the Cathedral in Gibraltar. Meryton is his only tune found in contemporary hymnals and is thought to be the only tune he published.
Give us this day our daily bread, and let us all be clothed and fed, from warfare, rioting and strife, disease and famine, save our life, that we in honest peace may live, to care and greed no entrance give. You are the God of every day. The next line in the Lord's Prayer asks God to give us our daily bread. Taken broadly as an image, it celebrates the everyday, and the contemporary American hymn writer, Dan Damon, has written this hymn to talk about just that. Damon writes about this hymn that, it expresses my appreciation for the ordinary gifts of life. Of course, rituals use common things like water, bread, and wine. It is good to be reminded of God as we go through our daily tasks. Hymns and sacraments have a way of staying with us. Damon's grandfather became blind and deaf in his later years. At age 93, he sat in his wheelchair singing hymns that he knew by heart to himself, no matter who else was around. The tune, Giddings, was written for Marianne Giddings, an organist at First United Methodist Church in Modesto, California. Damon served that church as associate pastor for three years.
Forgive our sins. Let grace outpour that they may trouble you no more. We too will gladly those forgive who harm us by the way they live. Help us in each community to serve with love and unity. We do not hope to ease. We move next through the theology of forgiveness. The Lord's Prayer asks us to forgive others who sin against us. And a corollary to this, we might also consider forgiving ourselves and trusting in the saving grace of our God. This next hymn serves to place this concept into the space of justice. Forgiveness is a justice issue. Just as we are grappling with the societal, theological, and ecclesiastical issues surrounding Islamophobia, homophobia, and the incalculable grief and sorrow of residential school survivors. We need God's forgiveness for all of this, as we are not able to summon the strength as mortals in a fallen state. Such innocent suffering is found in Mani Barrel's hymn, We Do Not Hope to Ease Our Mind. It's a brilliant poem for our time. Recall the events of Maundy Thursday into Good Friday from the perspective of Peter. He observes the drama of Jesus' arrest and trial from the outside as a bystander. The distancing, the denial, and the desire to be distanced from the terrible injustices underway just steps away. A safe place, maybe. Do we not also experience times when we are just a bystander? Had we not heard words to this effect during the Nuremberg trials or Minneapolis and now at former residential schools? Each verse of this next hymn urges us to take on solidarity with Christ and bringing goodness and consolation to this world by reliving an aspect of his life and passion. Together with the stirring tune St. Patrick's breastplate, the bold strides of the text find their encouraging mark on our spirit. We can pray for God as a merciful forgiver so that we might be able to come alive in the spirit.
not into temptation, Lord, where our grim foe and all his horde would vex our souls on every hand. Help us to resist. Help us to stand firm in the faith, armed with your might. Your spirit gives your children light. When listening prophets dare to speak. One of the mysteries in our lives as Christians revolves around the notion of temptation and our complicit collaboration with the enemy on the one hand and the desperate attempt to arrest the attacks of that enemy on the other. This is another Dan Damon text focused on the response of the church to the ancient Hebrew prophets on issues of social justice. Hymnologist Lawrence Waring writes about this hymn we too have been gifted a mystery. We contain within our lives God's love and care. We too live that mystery badly at times. That's our confession. But however badly we live the mystery and how little we understand it, nevertheless it is not for us to creep into the shadows or to hide behind locked doors. Rather, we can be prophet-like if we name our fears and move beyond them. Listening hard for God's voice in the cries and experiences of those who live around us and challenging individuals and institutions whose actions counter God's love. Where Dan Damon perhaps surprises us is in his declaration that the church itself may require to be challenged, that our own structures like rigid, immovable pillars, may need to be questioned and even pulled down. When churches add to people's pain, a prophet's question lingers on. Can dry bones ever live again? In recent times, many within the LGBTQ community have known pain as a result of decisions made by the worldwide Anglican community. But that same institution has made amends with apology and commitment to walking with our brothers and sisters in that community. We can, and often do, value sacrificial love. Dan Damon's call to reveal love and to make peace from age to age speaks to us as nothing less than a cry for prophetic Christian listeners even as it leads us to challenge the structures under which we have sheltered for so long. Churches add to people's pain. 
its question lingers on, can dry bones ever live again? Two prophets challenge us to change, to wake and wonder, risk and grow, and when the way ahead seems strange, Deliver us from evil days, from every dark and trying maze. Redeem us from eternal death. Console us when we yield our breath. Give us at last a blessed end. Receive our souls, O faithful friend. Wilt thou forgive that sin? This hymn is an adaptation of the poem, a hymn to God the, Fa excuse me, uh, God the Father, by English poet, lawyer, and Anglican cleric, John Donne. Likely written in 1623, he composed it while recovering from an unknown deadly illness, possibly typhus, that was endemic in London at the time. Later, upon hearing his poems sung by the choristers of St. Paul's Cathedral, Dunn remarked, the words of this hymn have restored to me the same thoughts of joy that possessed my soul in my sickness when I composed it. And oh, the power of church music, that harmony added to this hymn has raised the affections of my heart and quickened my grace of zeal and gratitude. And I observe that I always return from paying this public duty of prayer and praise with an inexpressible tranquility of mind and willingness to leave the world. Among the many musical settings of this poem, probably the most common tune for congregational singing is so Gibbs do, with harmonization added by Johann Sebastian Bach.
that is, it shall, shall be so. Make our faith strong that we may know we need not doubt, but shall receive all that we ask as we believe. On your great promise we lay claim. Our faith say amen in your name. When in our music, God is glorified. Now, almost as a Gloria, we come to the last hymn of this festival, supporting the last line of the Lord's Prayer, speaking as it does about kingdom, power, and glory ascribed to God's name. There is no doubt that our praise on this point needs to be robust and colorful, and this text by Fred Pratt Green fulfills that desire. The hymn, written in 1971, has not lost any of its original attraction and popularity, and combined with the Stanford tune Engelberg, strikes the perfect alleluia to our experience today. At the request of John W. Wilson, Fred Pratt Green wrote this text in Norwich, England in 1971. It was intended for use at a London conference of the Methodist Church Music Society, this hymn has been widely accepted in many recent hymnals and is sung in numerous choral festivals. When in our music is the only hymn text in Christendom that explains the reasons for church music while simultaneously offering alleluias to God. The various stanzas deal with our humility in performance, stanza one, the aesthetics of musical worship, stanzas one and two, and the history of church music in stanza three. The final stanza presents a paraphrase of Psalm 150.
Now for a concluding moment of prayer. God of majesty, whom whom saints saints and angels delight delight to worship worship in heaven, be with all your people who employ employ art and music for your praise, that with joy we on earth may glimpse your beauty and bring us to the fulfillment of that hope of perfection, which will be ours as we stand before your unveiled glory. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let us go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Alleluia. A few words about the postlude as we depart. After the canonic stranglehold of the prelude, Bach's greatest chorale arrangement of the Vater Unser in Himmelreich with pedal, this little work using the same melody is like a fresh breeze. Without any frills or interruptions, the chorale is heard in the upper part, accompanied by ascending and descending motifs and sustained notes, which thus form a clear chord scheme. All in all, it is a very classical approach. The runs may originate at the melody text, you wish us to pray, and indeed the music exudes an atmosphere of attention and reflection in all its straightforward simplicity. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. For more information, go to cathedralhamilton.ca. We hope you would join us again soon. Have a blessed day.